Hey, we are very, very blessed this morning to have Pastor Chris Kramer and his wife, Joyce, join us today to deliver the message from God's Word. Chris is been, is a, and, and his wife have, are a former missionary couple with Village Missions for many years, most recently the pastor uh, couple from Camino Chapel. He's now the director of the Peace Haven Ministries, and Chris and I got together to chat a little bit, and I got to find a wonderful fact. Early in his history with Village Missions, he served at Beloved Wish Ram, and so we got to speak. We got to share some Wish Ram stories and talk about our, our wonderful Charlie. And so, with all that, Chris. Let's be with you uh, this morning. Uh, I served in three village missions churches. Wish Ram was my first, I went there in 1983. And then over in the Port Orchard, Gig Harbor area for 10 years, and then Camino Chapel for just shy of uh, 25 years, and retired last September. Um, you're the second group that I have preached before in front of since I retired, so um, uh, it's kind of neat. One thing I learned is being a guest speaker is a whole lot easier than being a senior pastor, I will tell you. But uh, it's great to be here. Uh, you know, I, I want you to know that uh, Camino, Ch or, uh, excuse me, Machias Church is famous in village missions. Um, you're a giving church, and I, I want to take this opportunity just to, to thank you as a church family and your leadership and its impact in rural America. Your Contenders Bible School and the Contenders Discipleship Initiative has sent out so many men and women and families to rural America in, in these forgotten places. And uh, I texted Ron Salee. Anybody know that name from somewhere out in the universe? And I say, hey, Ron, we know a lot of contenders, uh, Bible students have, have come into village missions. But I said, what are the ones that came from this church family? Because this is this giving away. And I'm sure each one was one of your best and brightest. And, and you sent them out. Uh, and I just wanted to read to you uh, those that went to contenders Bible school from Machias Community Church. And, uh, and they're out uh, giving their heart and soul to people in rural America. So let me just read these names. Frank and Lynn Puffer. How many remember them? Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Landa Lakes, Wisconsin. Nick and Sarah Picklesheimer. You know that name? At Corum, Montana. And we heard of Chris and Tammy uh, Immer up at Lummy Island, Washington. We know them. Uh, James and Amanda Puffer in Morton, Washington. Hey, here's a little known fact that you will forget within five minutes. Amanda Puffer is related to me. It's my, let me get this, no, forget it. It would be so many, seriously, the cousin of the uncle of the niece and all that. But she, she's, uh, she's in my family tree. 
Uh, Daryl and Robin Weiland, Broadbent, Oregon. I don't know if you know them. They went to Bible school here. Uh, okay, they, they were actually from Stanwood. Uh, and, of course, Ken and Chris Ainsworth, who are now, they were uh, village missionaries in Montana, now the CDI administration. Remember Ken and Chris? Yeah, yeah all right. Um, Randy and Lisa Picklesheimer. I love saying that name, Picklesheimer. Don't you? Don't you miss saying, good to see you, Randy Picklesheimer. Uh, they're now village missions district representatives, which means they are like, you know, some of the head honchos. Can you believe it? Yes, yes we can believe it. And, of course, Charlie and Rhonda Hardgrove in Wishram. Charlie is now uh, worshiping this morning at the First Heavens Church. And uh, Rhonda and Charlie are legends in Wishram today. I want to tell you, um, Joyce and I were there from 83 to 86. And uh, it, w- it was great to hear wonderful reports about what God was doing with some of the kids that were now that were in our Awana when we were there. Now uh, they are adults serving in the church, so that's really neat. So thank you, Machias family. Thank you for your love for rural America. A couple other things I just wanted to share. Um, I understand that you have just begun the transition towards a new senior pastor. Uh, Camino Chapel, I retired, as I mentioned, on September 5th, and they have been in a search for a new senior pastor, and they're coming to the close of that search. You are, um, you are just, just getting started in what that will look like uh, with Village Missions. I'm not sure all the details, but I want you to know that uh, God has great plans. There's someone out there. Do you know there's someone, there's a family, there is a pastor and a family out there somewhere in America. And God's stirring their heart. And God's going to bring them here as God is stirring your heart. What is God going to do? I know it's a time of uncertainty, but I'm I'm sure there's a sense of expectation. What's God going to do? What's he up to today? I'd like to encourage us in our church, Camino Chapel, um, at first I think people were saying, we are waiting for our next senior pastor. You know, waiting is one of God's greatest tools. And uh, as time has gone on at Camino Chapel, we've had a rotation of three different pastors uh, that come and preach. Uh, I think we kind of realize that, you know, let's not talk about this as a waiting time, but a thriving time that God is going to do a work. And one of the good works he does whenever we're kind of in between a senior pastor is we are reminded that our true pastor has never left, has he? Who's the true pastor of Machias Church? Jesus Christ. Always has been, always will be, as long as we in our hearts commit to what we read today, the Apostles' Creed, which is just a summary of the core beliefs of Christianity And so your pastor is here. He's in our midst wherever two or three are gathered. And uh, we're gathered here in his name. So I want to pray for you guys and then pray for our our study today. Father God, thank you for Machias Church. I've heard of this church. Um, Every village missionary has heard of this church. And Lord, I expect great things in the future. Even in this Transition time, this what we call waiting time, 
As we wait on you, you renew our strength. And Lord, we pray for that family, that, that, that pastor that will come here, Lord, that you'd be working in their heart now, preparing them to be your under-shepherd. And Lord, we're so grateful that the head pastor, Jesus, your son, is always with us. He's going to guide this wonderful church. And Lord, now open your word to us that we may interpret it correctly and then apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll open your Bibles if you have one to Colossians chapter 3. If you've got a phone, uh, you can just type in the browser, Colossians 3, 12 through 16, uh, as we study God's word today. Today I want to talk to you about character traits, and this is what will be in our text. Character traits that bring us together as people. And then I want to focus on three hurdles to clear in order to become that kind of person uh, that we see in these character traits. We are, in our country, in a time of great need. And this is our time as Christians. It's our time to be exhibiting Christ-like character. Because we're, we're in a time of a lot of disagreements. And as believers, we're walking a different way. Our worldview is completely different than the secular worldview. Therefore, we're going to have different perspectives but we want to be able to disagree agreeably. And these character traits are, are part of what God can do through us, even in this very disagreeable time. Just think about this. I'm going to give you three options for our country. Which of the three describe our culture right now? All right, three options. Option number one, as a country, we are beautifully unified. Any takers? Option number two. We as a country are courteously divided. That wouldn't be so bad. Option number three. We as a country are rudely divided. We know the answer, don't we? Just think about the last two years. You've got all this stuff going on. Just think of the dividing lines. You've got... The maskers versus the anti-maskers. You've got the vaxxers versus the anti-vaxxers. You've got the Trumpers versus the never-Trumpers. You've got the Bideners versus the let's-go-Brandoners. And to add on all that in the last two months, guess what? We had the thousands of supporters of Johnny Depp versus the supporters of Amber Heard, like, you know, all two of them. And so we live in a time of division, don't we? It's everywhere. And how are we going to interact, not only with culture out there, but how are we going to interact with one another? As a culture, we need help. We need help. But help is on the way. In fact, it's already here. It is Christ in us and his character flowing through us. That's the answer. Now let's look together. 
just the first uh, three or four verses here, 12 through 15. And what we are going to see is some character traits. So I'm going to read this over, and then we're going to really start breaking down these character traits that, that have the power, and it's really the power of Christ, to bring us together. The Apostle Paul writes, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. All right, let's break down these character traits for a few minutes. The first one that Paul writes about that he says, hey, this is what you're to, to put on, like putting on a, a, a garment, put on a compassionate heart. Now, the Greek word there for those two words, compassionate heart, that those, those words are translated from, is, is the word for spleen, believe it or not, or spleen. Now, I don't know. I said spleen. Maybe that's the appendix. I have no idea where the spleen is. I know it's here in this area. But the Greeks believed that the, the location of our emotions were in the gut, right here, the spleen area. And, and today we kind of say, you know, the, the, the location of our emotions, really it isn't, but the heart. And we'll, we'll say, you know, I love you with all my heart. Uh, guys, can I just give you a word of advice? Don't tell your wives, I love you with all my gut. I don't, I don't think that's going to work, okay? But in the Western world, it's our heart. But the gut, think about it, though. We would say, you know, we're really nervous. What are we feeling? Butterflies, right? Or when we're hurt, we might say, man, I got a gut punch. There's a sense that we understand Greek thought. Now, the Jews were more specific. When they talked about this word for spleen, they they really were convinced that the seat of the emotions there in the gut were actually more specific, that tender emotions came from right here. Not just emotions, but tender emotions, and that's that compassionate heart. Now, as we go through these different character traits, we can rate ourselves. So let's start with, do we have a compassionate heart, that, that, that sense of tenderness towards especially people that are hurting? Rate yourself from one to five, five being perfect, one meaning need of major improvement. Second word, kindness. Kindness is gentleness with integrity and goodness. The perfect balance of gentleness, but integrity. Standing for what is right, which is the truth that we as believers hold to, integrity and goodness, that perfect balance. And, and sometimes we have the issue right, but we don't have the interaction relationship right. For instance, I'm pro-life. I'm convinced the scripture teaches that life begins at conception. I can, I can make a, a clear case for that. But I'm also pro-good manners. I'm convinced the scripture teaches good manners, and I can make a clear case for that. 
And what we see sometimes is the right issue, but not the good manners, not the kindness, the, the integrity and goodness, but without the gentleness. So let's rate ourselves one to five on kindness. Third word is humility. Humility. Second Corinthians 10 says, when we compare ourselves with ourselves, we are not wise. It's not wise to say, hey, I'm better than you, or you, you, you got that award, but I deserved it more than you because, you know, I'm a nicer person. You know how it is. I don't know how many of you are on Facebook or, or uh, Instagram, but, you know, you've got those, those friends you have, and, and you spent the weekend, you know, pulling weeds in your yard, but you look on their Instagram account or their Facebook, and, and there they are on a beach, wind blowing through her hair. I mean, just having anything blowing through my, if I had hair, that'd be awesome. But, you know, and, and there they are in Hawaii and Maui, just, just a little weekend getaway in Hawaii. How do you feel? Like, hey, I deserve to be there. That, that sense of comparing ourselves with, our, with ourselves, it's not wise because it's not based in humility. Okay, little advice on that. I'm fairly convinced that a lot of those pictures that people put out there to, to make us jealous, that, that actually it's the guy, he's not on the beach in Maui, he's like in his mom's basement photoshopping himself. So, so you can just be relieved of any pressure there. But humility. Here's another one, meekness. That is mildness of disposition. This is the hardest for me. I was raising a family with five boys, no sisters. That's, that's my excuse why I asked my wife, Joyce to marry me in the stairwell of, of college right after I played basketball in my sweats. I was all sweaty. Will you marry me? I didn't know about a ring or anything like that. So that's my excuse. Five brothers. And it was war on all the time. Let me just, if I could just paint it this way. At our dinner time, it wasn't very Downton Abbey-ish, okay? It was not Pardon me, but could you please pass me the tea and crumpets? It was more like the Geico caveman commercial. Her, pass me the bread. You know, or just grab it out of someone's hand. That's how I was raised. And I just, I can overwhelm people. Because I don't, and I'm very volatile. I, I don't have a mildness of disposition. So for me, can I just, because it's church, we need to be honest. We should confess to one another. I'm a one. I'm actually a negative two on this one. This is where I need to work on it. So how do you rate yourself? Fifth, or fourth, excuse me, patience. Calmness, that's the Greek concept, and slowness to react. Slowness to react. Hey, there's two types of people. There's a lot of categories, but two types of people. There are those that react to what other people do, and there are those that act. They're, they're going their own direction. This person over here, their buttons are being pushed all the time. So they're just completely reacting to other people where the other group of people act. And, and, and they're in control, in the case of a believer, the control of the spirit. So one to five, how do we rate ourselves? Fifth, bearing with others. It's connected to patience, and it's, it's, it's really connected also to kindness. It's good manners, even towards those who are our irregular people. Do you know what an irregular 
person is. It's a person that to you, every time you talk to them, it's like fingers on the chalkboard. I know some of you say, oh, Chris, don't, don't even talk about it. They're just people that rub you the wrong way and just say, you know, I've got to learn to bear with them. And this is a good thing. This is why we get together as church family to say, you know, we're, we're going to cut each other some slack. You know, I got some good advice years ago. Older guy told me, I was, I was very young, and he says, Chris, here's your, here's your advice for the day. Most people are hard on others and soft on, their, on themselves. He says, Chris, endeavor to be soft on others and hard on yourself. That, that I think, is a good word, bearing with each other. Number six is forgiving. This is the Greek word, by the way, charizomai. The root word is charis. You might have heard the term charismatic, gifts, grace gifts. And, and, and really, charis is literally the word grace. And so forgiving is offering charizomai, which is undeserved favor. If we say, you know, I can't forgive them because they don't deserve it, that's the point. They don't deserve it. We forgive them anyway. So let's rate ourselves one to five. Pulling everything together is love. That's self-sacrifice. I think we say we love each other too lightly today. I mean, you know, you got, you got guys that go to a Mariners game. They sit next to a stranger and never met him before. And they maybe share some popcorn during the game. They're both wearing all the Mariner garb. Mariners win like they did last night in the ninth inning. And, and they cheer and they're high-fiving as they lead the game. Hey, I love you, bro. No, they didn't love each other. They just loved each other's popcorn that they were eating. Love is something where we are invested in the person and we're, we're sacrificing ourselves. Number eight is peaceful. That is restfulness and a quietness of spirit. Hey, is there anybody here feeling a little stressed today? We live in a stressed culture. I love that. Restfulness and a quietness of spirit. We need that. Thankful. Seeing what God is doing, being grateful for what, what he's accomplishing, being grateful for his character. It seems today that it's more spiritual to rant and complain about everything. Think about social media. You know, every time you read Facebook, there are some Christians that the way they are posting on Facebook, you, you want to tell them, hey... If you want to post like that, could you please just not admit you're a Christian? <laughs> the words that we put on social media, because we don't see each other face to face, we can get a little more bold. I think that's what happens. And we can be rude, even for the right issues, but the wrong interaction and the wrong words. And sometimes we think that the words we put on the Internet, they just kind of float out like a butterfly out into the universe but they can go out and deeply wound people. In fact, I was reading this article about this guy that uh, has really dealt with severe depression. And it really touched me. He, he, he wrote about social media 
in this article. It was, it was entitled, What if Christians used social media differently? Just read one of the paragraphs that he wrote. He says, I've struggled with depression since middle school. And negative stories in the news trigger raw feelings that can take me days to shake. And when I get home from a long day at work, the last thing I want to do is scroll through petty complaints about the world's problems from other Christians. What you and I need is a daily reminder that this world is not our home. We need a fresh dose of hope and good news every day to be reminded that no matter how bad it is, we know that we are valuable and cherished by God. little homework assignment. If you're on Facebook, I'm not. But if you go home and you happen to be on it, read it and say, hey, is it just filled with thanksgiving and praise? If someone read that and say, wow, there's a person that's filled with hope and joy. Just take a look at it. Well, there's your, and that's rate that one to five. There's kind of your, your character traits that, that is really Christ. Basically, if you want to know what Christ is like, that's it. Just, just read those. That, that's him. So let's talk about three hurdles to get there. Now, uh, when we're in a race and we're in the hurdles race, you have the, the finish line out there. You see where you need to go. And the finish line for us is the character of Christ. By the way, we don't ever really finish the, fin get to the finish line in this world, in this life. But along the way, there are these hurdles we've got to clear if we're going to make progress. Well, let me give you three of them. And these are kind of the voices in our head, uh, these types of hurdles. So hurdle number one is that we tell ourselves about these character traits. It's this. But these traits just aren't who I am. The, the, these traits, it's just not who I really am by nature. Now look again at verse 12. I think there's an answer to us there. Before Paul gives us the character traits, he says, put on then as, <clears throat> as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So because you're God's elect or God's chosen ones and you're holy and beloved by him, because of that, put on these character traits. It's not put on then someday when you're holy. We're God's chosen ones. We are holy now. And I think this is a great key to transformation in our lives. Because Satan likes to come along and say, hey, you lost your temper. You are just an angry person. You're a loser. You're a second-rate Christian. Uh, you're, you're just, you're, you're hopeless and what he wants us to do is to go down this downward spiral and say, yep, that's all I am. I'm a loser, second-rate Christian, I'm, I'm an angry person. However, as we see here, God chose us. We're holy already positionally. We can break that, that downward spiral by saying, stop. No, in Christ, I am as holy as he is. Did you know that? I used to think this, that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he took my sins away. That's only half the deal. He, we received his righteousness, his holiness. So we say, this is who I am. So knowledge of who we are will influence what we do. <clears throat> you ever notice when Paul writes to churches, like the church of Ephesus, 
He says, to the saints at Ephesus. You notice he never says, hey, to the sinners at Ephesus. Now, certainly we're sinners saved by grace. But the core of our nature is chosen of God, holy and beloved by him. We're, we're holy, so we live up to our position. So every time you're, you're struggling to go against any of these character traits, remind yourself, you know, this is not who I am. At my very core, I am in Christ. He is in me. And I'm holy. I'm set aside for God. Hurdle number two. This is the voice. I'm not even sure what these traits look like. Verse 16, give us the answer. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. I think that's just not thrown in there out of context. I think, as we know, these are letters, and and I believe this is all connected. So if we want to know what are these character traits, how do I interpret them, how do I apply them to my life, it's through the word of Christ that dwells, or we make the word of God at home in us, richly, deeply, The word enlightens us, not just in the definition that I've given you of these traits, but also their application, how they work out in our daily lives. It is by the renewal of our mind that we begin to cultivate, or I should say, the Holy Spirit within us cultivates the mind of Christ. We start thinking differently, and how we think is how we will speak and how we will behave. And so... Get into the Word of God. It's that, that, that rich food that teaches us what is right and wrong to discern the mind of Christ. Now, hurdle number three is this one. I can change by myself if I just put all my energy into it. This is the whole pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Now, if you'd like to, you can turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. It's, it's fascinating. Ephesians 5, uh, 18 through 20, in, in that passage, if you, if you study this and hold it alongside the passage we are studying and the following verses in Colossians 3, you'll notice it's a very similar passage. It's, it's very similar. It's a parallel passage. Now, what we know from Bible historians is The letter to the Ephesians, Paul's in Rome under house arrest. The letter to Ephesians, the letter to Colossians, this is the book we're studying today, and the letter to Philemon were all delivered at the same time by two guys. One guy named Tychicus and the other who was a runaway slave returning to Philemon, a man named Onesimus. They delivered on the way, Ephesus and Colossae, and Philemon was... Uh, at the church of Colossae. Ephesus and Colossae are fairly close together. And so probably Paul wrote these letters at the same time and he had Colossians letter there. He had the Ephesus letter. And he's thinking about these concepts under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What's fascinating is in Colossians 3, Paul uses the word, as we read earlier, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then after that, it's very similar to what we see in Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, where Paul writes, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, 
addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and, and, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody into your, in, in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks to God and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very similar to Colossians' book. So he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, but, but the other part of the concept is be filled with the Spirit. What, what I'm trying to say is, <clears throat> if we say, I can do this, I got some self-discipline, I'm a pretty good person, I, I, can, I got enough energy to bring out these character traits. Yeah, my marriage is struggling, but I can fix it by myself. Uh, I'm struggling with my supervisor at work. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I, I'll make it all right. Whatever our situation, if we say, I can do it, we are doomed for failure because we need to be filled with the Spirit. That's the power. And when we look at Ephesians 5.18, the word filled is not a one-time event. Some people would say being filled with the Spirit, you get filled with the Spirit with lasting results. Hey, have you ever been filled with the Spirit like one minute and the next minute you lose your cool or, or you have an unhealthy thought, sinful thought, and, and you feel like something's not right inside? What happened is we moved from being filled with the Spirit under the control of the Spirit to quenching the Spirit. That's why Paul very specifically uses the Greek verb filled in the present continuous. In other words, be continually filled. That's the goal. And when we quench the Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, I, you know, God, I, I, bring, I just come back to you. I, I confess what I've done. Empower me again. I, I need your help. We cannot do this in the flesh. I love, uh, and I don't know if it's still on, whenever we go on vacation, we watch American Pickers. Is that still on? Anybody know? It's not on anymore? Man, love that show. What's those guys? Um, Wolf? I know Frank Fretz, because I always liked him. I always felt like he was kind of getting a beat down by that other guy. But, but those guys, I remember one time they were, <clears throat> there was this, they were out in their van looking for, you know, those unique finds. And, and way out in this field, I mean, <clears throat> a long way out there, this field is just grass, and there's this car. And this guy, ah, guy says, i got this car out there I'm going to sell. And so they walk out, and they get close, and, man, they're drooling. I mean, they're like. Mike Wolf, that's the guy's name. Mike, he's, he's, oh, this is a good one. They get to the car, and they're looking at that, that car, and they're getting more and more excited about buying it. And then, hey, Frank, pop the trunk, pops the trunk. He opens up. Well, he sees his grass down there growing up in, in, in the engine well. See, that's the flesh. See, the flesh counts for nothing. In my flesh well dwells no good thing. If we try to do this on our own without submitting and just humbling ourselves before the Holy Spirit, we've got no engine. We've got no power. Now, some of you might say, but Pastor Chris, what about the Flintstones? Remember Fred and Barney? You know? If you didn't know this, can I just share with you? It's a cartoon. In the spiritual life, it doesn't work. It's a moment by moment, I think the first thing we should do when we get up in the morning is to say, God, today I can't do it. I, I can't go on. But your son Christ in me is the hope of glory. And today, today, I trust you. Today, I ask you to fill me, control me. Now, if you're a believer, the key word for you is reliance. Reliance. To rely upon the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Christ, the key word is the gospel. 
If you do not know Jesus Christ, you think, I've tried to do this on my own, and it just isn't working. I feel like I'm going backwards even. Today, can I just encourage you that Jesus Christ has come. He's our help. Trust in him, specifically that he, being God, died on the cross for our sins. He said of himself that he was the way and is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one is zero. There's no other roads to God. There's one road. There's one, one door, one gate. It's Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through him. And that he rose again on the third day. And, and, and through his death on the cross, he forgave. He took our sins. He'll give us our righteousness. So if you've never trusted Christ today, will you do that? It's critically important. And then you move from gospel, I need salvation, to reliance. I need to walk in the Spirit. Let me give you a, a real-life example of how these character traits, we'll kind of wrap it up here, how these character traits bring us together. So I live on a cul-de-sac over on Camino. And uh, so I know my neighbors really well. And they know me. To my right, I've got John and Kathy. They're Christians. And uh, next to them is, is my buddy Ralph over there. He's an uh, uh, elderly man. So once you get that in mind, kind of to my right, Annually, I do this around this time. I, I do my annual gutter cleaning, all right? So I put my ladder up there, and I'm, I'm starting to clean out the gutters, and the ladder, this, my ladder just snapped. And it just kind of tore down the gutter. It snapped inward and ripped the siding on my house. Somehow, miraculously, I landed on my feet. Um, Joyce said, you're close to being banned from getting up on ladders. You're very close. So I kind of let things cool a little bit, took the ladder to the dump. But then I, I got to get back at this. Don't have a ladder. So I go over to my buddy Ralph there, two doors down in the cul-de-sac. Hey, Ralph, you got a ladder? I don't have a ladder. And I look over, and, and John and Kathy, they have a fence yard, but they took out this old rotten fence. They're putting in a new fence. So they don't have fence that they have posts, but I can look over, and I see the, this, you know, this, this ladder underneath their cherry tree. And I know that John and Kathy are up in the mountains for the day. They're not home. I want to ask permission because I, you know, remember, I'm, I'm the guy who caveman. Go to do it right now, right now. <clears throat> so I decide, hmm, maybe I'll just take... Their, their ladder. I asked Ralph, Ralph, what do you think? Should I, should I just borrow their ladder? He said, yeah, I think you should. Then he said, and if John and Kathy come home and they see their ladder is gone, uh, I'll be as sure and tell them that I tried to talk you out of it. And so I thought, oh, man. But I gave him the temptation. I took the ladder. I, I am serious. Lightning does strike twice. I put up their ladder. I go up. And it completely snaps. Oh, so now that time I didn't land on my feet. Land on my backside. Oh, man. So now I got this situation. They don't know I borrowed the ladder. 
I go down to the, the local hardware store, I, I buy a new ladder for him, and, 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 I, and I sent John this text, and I saved it. I want to read it to you. And this is kind of a little text interchange, and this is how it works with John and Kathy. They understand what can bring us together. So, this is to John, my neighbor. I said, John, I absconded with your six-foot ladder. You know, us preachers are really good at words. I didn't use, notice I didn't use steel. I use absconded, it sounded bad. I absconded with your six-foot ladder that was under your cherry tree, then promptly broke it, then bought you a new one down at the Plaza hardware store and put it back under the cherry tree, my apologies. So regarding my apologies, John texts back, totally not necessary. And then I text back, serves me right for not asking you before borrowing something. I promise I will never do that again. Now, then he says this, this is character right here. You ready for this? This is what brings neighbors together. Whatever we have belongs to God. Therefore, it belongs to you as well, Chris. See how it works. Well, Father God, sometimes this seems overwhelming. Man, compassionate heart. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with other people, forgiving them, loving them, having peace in a stressful world, being thankful instead of complaining. But Lord, through Christ, through the gospel, through the good news, through faith in Christ alone, we begin this journey of being changed. Not behaving with good character. Anybody can do that. But actually being changed and having good character. It becomes who we are because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And Lord, as you have possibly spoken to us about one or two of these traits that we're realizing, yes, that's where God's working on me. Lord, just continue to do that work Maybe tomorrow morning, remind us when we get up where we can say, Father God, by your Holy Spirit, empower me to live this kind of life because I can't do it on my own. Because my flesh counts for nothing. I only make messes of things. But you can bring out beautiful character. There's hope in Christ. In his name I pray. Amen.